Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dene. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. Hello again, it's Graham. Welcome to the big interview. And please let me tell you about Alistair Dick, because unlike all our other episodes, I guess that many of you probably don't know Ali's name. And I want to make sure that you don't skip over this interview. As you listen to this, hopefully just before the second leg of Spurs against Ajax, here is a footballer whose links are directly to those two great clubs. As a kid, Ali was an electrifying talent, a winger, who had his pick of all the top clubs in Britain and eventually chose Spurs. He tells us about why. Ali was a UEFA Cup winner with Tottenham. He came off the bench in that 1984 final against Anderlecht, which was won on penalties so dramatically, but ended the match unable to run at all due to really badly damaged ligaments. How's your luck? He was then signed by Johan Cruyff at Ajax to play in the same team as Marco van Basten, Frank Reichard, the emerging Danny Blint, and a certain young thruster called Dennis Bergkamp. Those names you do know. The reason that Ali's name is less well known generally, particularly in comparison to those world-class teammates, is that he suffered a debilitating series of injuries which punctuated his very short career as an elite soccer player. But listen to this please. The first part of our interview focuses on Spurs and you get a unique portrait of a kid with the world at his feet in the early 1980s, a natural winger, uncoached talent, whose only tactical instruction at Spurs was get out and do your thing. Ali was a fabulous footballer, and he's a very interesting man. Enjoy. Because, as we record, your birthday was yesterday, and although he's passed away now a couple of years, so was Johan Cruyff's birthday yesterday. How the heck does the world work that a Scot from Sterling is good enough for Johan Cruyff to phone him up and sign him and you share the same birthday? Do you not find that a little bit mental? I, I tell you what, I did find it mental. What the, I think the, the first year I was there, he actually had his 40th birthday party and he invited everybody out to his house. He had a house in the country. Kind of a lot of people only found out after about an hour or so it was my birthday. So I was actually in Johan Cruyff's house for his 40th, so I think it was my 21st, celebrating. And that, that was a bit weird. That was one of the times I kind of sat back and thought, jeez. Because one, one of my earliest memories of football is watching the 1974 World Cup with a nice colour TV, which is... That was all, doing well in the weren't all the ways then. My dad came in with a big pot, a family-sized ice cream for the family, sat down and watched the telly, and it was all about Cruyff. And I was thinking, geez, that's, that, that's what you want. That's what you want to be like when you, you grow up. You want to be one of these guys that people go to pay to go watch. And at the time, he was head and shoulders above everybody. And then I was, I was only nine then. So to think that years later, you'd be sat in front of him 
talking about contracts and you'll be telling me what to do. It's, that's kind of weird. Well, we share. I think probably I'm a bit more romantic and emotional about it, partly because I didn't have the talent to take me to the stage that you got to. But in my wee world, I was sitting watching that same game as you, a few hundred miles north in Aberdeen, literally falling head over heels in love with that type of football and thinking, mm. I've never, as much as I'm an Aberdeen man through and through, I've never seen anybody who seemed to glide across a pitch and seemed to have emanate elegance. And he looked like, you know, he could have been Elvis or he could have been Bowie or, you know, with the <laughs> the, the, the silhouette, the haircut, the, just the, I'm above all this, but I'll mix it with you, I have to. And, and I end up meeting him, knowing him and doing the last ever public interview that he did. And I'm sitting there then um, as, you know, little did I know seven days later he'd announced that he had throat cancer and you know it was I've, I've thought how weird the world is that um, a writer from Aberdeen can end up sitting across from his hero in front of an audience mm. in Berlin I start to think you know, is the world actually m- meant to work this way it, I didn't quite feel out of place but at least you had the you, you had the skill that attracted him to you I keep, I keep having to remind myself about that sometimes you can I, you go through you, you always doubt yourself it's different. you think Jeez, out of all the... And those were the days you were only allowed two foreigners. So it wasn't like, we'll, we'll buy ten, we'll stick eight on the bench and we'll chuck a couple on. It was a two-foreigner rule. <clears throat> and uh, it was kind of out of nowhere. It just totally came out of nowhere. If it was any other foreign club, I would have maybe left it for a few years. But when Ajax come in, and you're on Croft, you think to yourself, Jesus, it's too good to be true It really doesn't get better than this. Mm, and as the guy... He's, you're talking about him there, kind of romanticising it. He, has, he's, he was like a godlike figure almost in Amsterdam. And we used to go away European trips to Turkey and Sweden, wherever. And you'd walk off the plane, nobody would bother but Marco van Basten, Frank Riker, not Cruyff, the crowd just went everywhere he went. They just kind of followed him, they hung on every word. And I, he was, he did, definitely had an aura about him. For, for me, I mean that for me, in the history of the, the world that we've lived in, you and I at this age, Sinatra, Muhammad Ali, George Best, Elvis, you know, some people just seem to be given everything and more. Mm. And it's about every action, every word, how they dress, how they speak, as well as whatever it is that they're good at. And, and you and I had that. But in, in storytelling, modern storytelling st- style, having done a little prologue, the two of us now, let me go back to the beginning because like, you're not only young at heart, but you're still a young man, but I'm an oldie. And therefore, what I've learned is that people don't remember all the things that you and I saw that's, or lived. Yeah, that's a fact. So let's establish. You're Ali Dick, born in Stirling, born with a tremendous gift for football. I mean, really something special, very special. And the reason, one of the reasons that we've timed our long-standing wish to sit down and chat to you about your skills and your life is that two of your clubs are playing each other in the Champions League semi-final, much to everybody's surprise, because mm-hmm. you starred for Spurs and won a European medal there. You starred for Ajax and won a couple of European medals there. But for those, say, who are 19, 20, or even 30, the Swines, and never saw you play or don't understand, I want you, you don't have to close your eyes and think, but what were you as a player? Describe yourself. I, I was... When I was about, I say 9, 10, 11, I realised then, if I was around the park, 
if somebody kicked a ball at me for 100 yards away, without ever doing it before, without anybody coaching me, without anything, I could trap it on my chest, caress it down, put it on at my left peg, and I could have volley it back that 100 yards. Everything was very natural for me. I was, I was never ever coached when I was young. Everything I'd done, it was all natural ability. And at that age, it kind of stands out a lot. I, I've, I've took a couple of young teams myself, and looking back, you think, when I was their age, I could do a lot more than them. I was, I was so much advanced for my age. I was only small, I was only slight. Uh, lucky enough, I was very fast. So if I ever played, the, the opposition instructions would always kick him. Which I kind of enjoyed. I liked that kind of notoriety that I was the one that they you should kick. I loved all that. I, I loved. I, I wanted. I always wanted to be the football player that people <coughs> would come and pay to watch. Never interested me. Interested me to be one of those guys that sat in at the back. Can I never went forward. Organising, working. Aye, shouting a lot. Organising. Sweating, blue colour, blue collar. Aye, that would never interested me. I always. Wanted to be the guy who people paid to go and see. The, the guy that kind of done something a wee bit different. The guy that was always going forward. The guy that was always trying something a wee bit different. And because I was kind of way advanced for my years, ability-wise, I, I got allowed to do it. Any team I was in, they just said, basically, do what you want. Give it to Ali. Aye, so I was given a lot of freedom. And that, that was right up till I was about 16, even like, you talk about Walter and Andy Rocks, but even they guys gave me a lot of freedom. They never bogged me down with tactics. Uh, that that only came when you become professional, and it gets a bit more serious. But up until then, I wasn't coached very heavily. I was tactically very naive. Uh, any game I ever played, they basically just gave me the jersey. It says, Al, go do your stuff. And that was all I needed. Up until I was about 16, it was all very easy. When when that realization, because we must skip forward to, to Spurs quite quickly, but when that realize, even though you're only nine, ten, eleven, that realization that you can do special things that almost nobody else around you growing up, although you grow up in a, an area rich in tradition for producing footballs, even in a school rich in mm. tradition, and I think probably the most famous apart from you would be Billy Bremner, yeah. um, who's from this neck of the woods. Did do you ever stop? Did you ever stop and think? Where, is this a divine gift, or where does this come from? Why is this? Why is this? Why can I just do this? You, you don't really. You, you kind of you, you go through your, your career doubting yourself. I can do this, but you kind of you kind of harbour on your, your inabilities, the things you can't do. I, I was never the fittest. I, I was any place I ever went. I was not only was I not fit. I was like always the worst one. I was never the guy who could run all day. And You're talking stamina, yeah? Aye, aye, stamina and match fitness. <clears throat> I could run, I could sprint, I could beat anybody, but the stamina thing, uh, I never had that. And that, those were the things that you can, uh, that goes through your head. Not not what you can do, it's all the things you yeah, can't do. I get that. So we'll focus given the fact that you did star for both Spurs and Ajax and that they're about to compete to be in the Champions League final, European Cup final. The thing that Spurs have never achieved and Ajax crave getting back to because, you know, not that far from your time, just before and just after, they, they were regular winners of that competition. So when we focus on the, the things you could do and what people liked about you, Spurs come knocking and we're aware that at that stage, um, 
there really was a queue for your services. I'd say almost, the young Ali Dick at 16 could probably, on turning professional, you could almost take your pick. That's fair to say. Yeah. So why Spurs? What, what, what were the things, the, the phone call or the image of the club or who was playing there or was there another club that you nearly joined that let you down? Why Spurs? That, that's an easy one. Ever, ever since I was, say, even 13, 14, I used to get phone calls every night. Every, every month, I would maybe fly down to Aston Villa one weekend. I'd play with our youth team. Come back up the next week. I would fly down, play with Crystal Palace, play in their youth team for a couple of games. Always, me and my dad would go down. Just for those who don't remember, Aston Villa at that stage that you were flying down, yep. were just about European champions. Yep. At the time that you're flying out to Crystal Palace, they were called the the team of the eighties. Terry Venables was there, was in charge right at the top. Yeah, two hugely exciting clubs at that time. Yeah, but they weren't alone. There was more. No, there was plenty of clubs, and I'd I'd used to go and I'd. Go to every club. My, my manager, when I was young, says, don't come out, don't sign S-forms at the time, don't sign with Celtic. And it's like, I used to train with Celtic every Tuesday, but I always refused uh, to sign with them. Because it's not, it's not going to do many benefit. I can still train with them. S-forms is going to tie me down. So that was another thing that worked in my favour. For years, I had this anticipation building because I hadn't signed with anybody, which is quite unusual at the time. And I never felt the urge, and it, it afforded me the luxury of going to every club, and I'd go here, I'd go there, and the off-season I'd go trips with, with teams, and a couple of times I went away with Tottenham, I went away with a youth team, I went to a, a tournament in Switzerland, uh, the following week they would fly me down for a first-team game, uh, Keith Burtonshaw would bring me on the bus, I was only maybe 15 at the time. He'd put me on the bus with the first team, would travel to the game. So the first team then was, as a 15-year-old, who are you saying, move up there, I'll give me a seat to? Oh, Glenn Hoddle, Steve Archibald, Ozzy Ardiles. Perryman. Stevie Perryman. You're listening to them talk before the game, you're in the change room beforehand. Even the youth team players at Tottenham, they never got that kind of luxury. But obviously, they try to impress me and they used to let me sit on the bench. I could hear the team talk. It was always fun. They always just included me. They, they always had a laugh. They always talk about family club, family atmosphere. It definitely was a family atmosphere. Although they treated me very special, at the same time, they just kept me kept my feet on the ground. Tottenham was the place I had the most fun. Who, who are the people that are giving you this fun for? Because Burtonshaw was the Yorkshireman, pretty blunt and quite hard in his demands mm. on people and... Are you talking about the senior pros or the... Nobody in particular, just the whole vibe about right. the club. When I went and played with the youth team, the boys would be a, a good laugh. And then the, maybe that following... I'd play in the youth team in the morning, then you go play in the reserves for maybe 30 minutes, get a bit of experience. I'd always go under an assumed name because you weren't allowed to be in England when you were from Scotland. You don't remember 16. any of them, do you? Did you get to make them up? Uh, I, I normally picked somebody who wasn't playing that day. Right, I, yeah. I went under his. She couldn't sign in as Roger Moore or Tony no, Curtis no, or anything no, like that. No, no. <laughs> and uh, everybody was just nice. The the taxi driver used to pick me up at the airport. The youth team coach uh, Keith Burtonshaw, He was very keen on me, and he was always encouraging me to play in the first team and help me as much. Uh, so just the vibe I got off it was always well, good. Was it also a place where skill and flair? Were, were encouraged. Were you, did, did you become aware of the fact that it was probably a fit with your skills? I, 
at the time I wasn't aware of that. It was only before I joined. Uh, I had I decided maybe about six months previous I was going to join Spurs. I never really told anybody about my decision. Just me and my dad knew, just in case anything changed. But it was then when I kind of researched it a bit, I realised that it was probably a good club for me as well with kind of the focus on skills and the focus on nice the, football. The gym famously had those circles and squares on the wall that you had to volley back and forward yeah. from. And did, had, did you, had you sampled that? No ball court. It was all concrete ball court. I used to play up there. And it was, it was only later on that I realised that it was a, a team who are renowned for playing nice football. And So an easy choice? It was a good choice. That wasn't the reason I chose it, but it kind of fell in nice. And I think a year or two before that, they were even in the second division. They'd only just recently got promotion. The kind of the week that I joined was remember that Ricky Villa goal in the cup final. That was a bit. City. Uh, that's that, that, that was when I joined. You're literally making your finally making your mind up on the night of the it'll be, be a replay of the FA Cup final yeah. in probably about I don't know eighty one maybe or eighty eighty one. I'd made my mind up about maybe four weeks before that. Me, my dad and my brother, they flew us down to the, the FA Cup final. That night, although it was a draw, they had the big function in the Dorchester Hotel. You know, I, I met Danny Blanchflower. What? Uh, Bill Nicholson was there. I knew Two Bill. of the club's biggest legends ever. Bill Nick that won the double with Spurs yeah. as a manager. Bill Nick used to come up quite a bit to my house. He, he, he was Up to Sterling? Yeah. He was uh, the head scout at the time. That's equivalent to being in, in Cruyff's um, house on his 40th birthday because Bill Nick is one of the all-time yeah. legends of... See, I didn't know at the time. I didn't no, know that. He was no. just an old guy that he was always well, nice. Suey's Sui features in your story. Suey's a fellow guest on this series. And Suey, you know, sure of himself, ultra sure of himself. Hard man, very talented. But in the podcast interview we did with him, he grimaced at his memory of going and banging on Bill Nicholson's door. So why am I not in the team and not as a brash young Scott? Right. And, and looking back, he's like, oh my God, did I actually do that to the Bill Nick? So for him to be coming up to, to try and persuade you up to your house, that was a gesture of extraordinary yeah. faith in you. Yeah, he was such a nice man. I, I'm actually in Bill Nicholson's book. I get a, a nice little review in his book. And uh, as I say, that the, the first FA Cup it was a draw. Tom, oh, Tommy Hutchinson own goal late, I think off his chest. That was the one. Uh, yeah, Man that City. was the one. Now, my, me and my dad and my brother were there. They had the big function in the Dorchester. It was a bit kind of muted because it was... I, I shouldn't interrupt, but so Wembley, is this before or after you take a Wembley by storm with Scotland? This is after. So you've already, you've played yeah. on that pitch and beaten England 5-4 in the yeah. schoolboys game. And now you're being seduced by Spurs and taken down to sit and watch yep. the FA Cup final. Well, it must have felt quite a special place to you when you went back. It was it was all pretty normal at the time. You know, one week I was... It's easy for you to say. Yeah, but I, I was... I, I don't know if, say, for example, if I went to Aston Villa, they'd play a bounce game and it was at Villa Park. And then the following week, maybe I'd be playing at Loftus Road and I'd maybe come back up here and I'd go play at Petaudry or something. I was always I was always doing nice things. People were always taking me and whining and dining. Well, I was only a kid, but why not? And dine my dad and kind of obviously try to impress. Uh, so it was kind of normal at the time. I never thought much of it. And I say that that night we were at the Dorchester. The, the, nobody had won. It was a draw, so the replay was still to come. So it was a kind of half-hearted affair. They, they invited me down for the, the replay on the Thursday. Me, my dad, and my brother again, but my dad was working. And it was a bit too much, so we never bothered. But that was the kind of week 
I decided to join just a few weeks before that, and that, all that happened afterwards. It all, it all fell in nicely. They became kind of very much high profile then with the goal. Then they won the FA Cup the following year. Then they won the UEFA Cup. I was very lucky to join at such a time. Great right time. They're the, can I tell you? Can I share a, something that you know you, you played with? You mentioned Steve Archibald. Steve lives in Barcelona. He's a friend of mine. He's another guest on the series. So I, asked, I said to him, "Tell me about Ali." And he went, "George Best." He went, "I'm not saying he had the same level of talent as George Best, but the first time I saw him, his balance, his movement, the way he could show people one way go the other, the, the whole body shape he had when he was on the ball, he went just immediately reminded me of George Best." I said, "That's." That's yeah. extraordinary praise. I've had a few people tell me that. I wish they would tell me it at the time. As I say, <laughs> you, you always kind of doubt yourself. I was kind of joining the first team when I was 16, like going on the bench, going on the trips with them. And I was very quiet and you'd be sitting and you'd be scared to talk. But if, if a few of the guys, if they told me that at the time, maybe my confidence would have been boosted a bit quicker. Because, you, you, as I say, you always doubt yourself. I was always small. I was always worried about getting kicked. I was always worried about lasting a game, and it, as I say, it was all those things that go through your mind, not not the good things. Really, really surprised because I've met you subsequently, talked to you subsequently, and you don't give off any of those. On the field, I wasn't. Once I got on the field, especially if I, I, I had a crowd, then then that was me. I kind of puffed up my chest, and that was me. Hmm. Off, it was off the field. There was a lot of time off the field training. I hated training. I was never the best trainer. Absolutely hated it. And that's when the kind of the, the like grind little demon comes in. Ah, head you just kind of think, and you th- I'm not, as, I'm not as kind of strong as this guy. But but Spurs liked you, and you made it, and you were respected. Yep. So, for those, paint a picture of who you saw when you went down. Paint a picture for those who've maybe heard about um, Ricky or Ozzy. Who Ozzy would have been there some of the time and not some of the time with you because of the yep. the Falklands yep. when him and Ricky felt they had to go home to Argentina, but but came back. So you you know pick the characters you want. But, but paint the picture of the people or the footballers you trained with and played with. Who stands out? The, the very first day I went to Tottenham, I walked in to the, the old ticketing office. It's still an old building and it's still there. And they, they showed me in and said, I'll oh, come in here, just wait a while. And as I walked in, Oz Dealers was sitting on the desk, just casually. He was reading, I think he was reading his fan mail. And guys, says, oh, this is Alistair, he's joining us and had a wee chat. And it, it was... You keep on seeing these guys on the telly. All of a sudden, he's right in front of you. Because three years earlier, he'd won the World Cup of Argentina. Exactly, and it kind of he was very recognisable. And these, these are the days before the every game was on TV and all that. But he was one face that everybody knew, and he was just sitting very casually, had a little casual talk. And it was kind of how was his English then mixed? Very basic. And I was only a little sixteen-year-old guy. I wasn't for talking. I was kind of in a wee shell. So I was just kind of walking about. Was like, it Aussie or was it Mr. Ardealers? was it? What would you think? Because the be the be the debate. I don't think it came to that point where I had Ducked to it. refer to him. <laughs> he got introduced as Aussie. Uh, everything was very casual. All right. Uh, and uh, it was very much this is a, this is Aussie. This is the tea lady. This is the man who gives you the tickets. Uh, this is Keith Burton Shaw. Now you're going in the team bus. There's Steve Archibald. Archie, go look after Ali. Oh, where are you from? And it was very much relaxed, and that's what made it nice and comfortable for me. What was the so training for the first time? Finding, oh, I can do what they can do, or mm. the first game. Again, take, take us into that. The very first training day with Tottenham, 
as a professional football player, I went up for a 50-50, Graham Roberts came in, bang, headed me in the, in the temple, and I was kind of <laughs> left on my back, dizzy, thinking, oh man, what's happening here? It was like, welcome to professional football, almost. No quarter asked or given? No, that, that was it, that was a kind of rude awakening. But I was I was used to getting kicked. It never ever bothered me. I, I I was expecting to get kicked every game. I did get kicked every game. I could tell there was that little air about the place about oh this is a guy who's came from Scotland. This is a, this is a guy that everybody wanted. This is a guy that we got, and there's a wee bit of pressure on you. So the eyes are you feel it as a focus on you. At sometimes, at sometimes you did. Not always. They were very good at just playing everything down. They, they never. I never felt like they were putting any pressure on me or nothing like that. Any, any pressure was put on myself. What about the... It's quite famous that they, they trained quite full on, even the day before a game was, was you know, the practice matches. Jotnam. Aye. I wouldn't say they trained full on, no. No, they so said the practice matches were... Practice matches, they would play on a Friday. Yeah. They kind of... They would set up the first team and then they would set up the, the, the reserves as Queen's Park Rangers or as Liverpool were going to play. Uh, the games were quite intense because you don't. They, they were the times when the guys found out who was in the first team. The guys found out they weren't playing, so the guys that were maybe in the, the reserves playing it, acting as Liverpool. That's when they kind of got a little bit needly. Got if you did the guy that was taking your place, then maybe you take his place the next day. Well, that, that's when they kind of a few of them you could, you could tell they weren't happy at not being in the other team, uh, and it was always a good indication of what's. What's happening that week? What's going to happen next week? You know whether you're going to be involved, whether you're not going to be in the subs bench or something. It was always a good indicator. But it wasn't too full on. Sometimes it was, but it was pretty much relaxed. I suppose the obvious question is Hoddle. But describe what it's like watching him because uh, he was fantastic. He was good. And when you say talking about full on, I remember a few times guys kicked him in those games. The manager was like, "Oh man, just look." Do do whatever you want, but don't kick Glenn, because you know he kind of he was he kind of held everything together. He, he was fantastic, and those those practice games on a Friday afternoon, maybe twenty minutes each way. He was relaxed. He could do all the tricks: left foot, right foot, pinging it, free kicks. He he done absolutely everything. It was he was just fantastic, and you, you couldn't help but just sit back and think, I'll I'll never be like that. And even guys like. Ozzy and Steve Archibald, even you hear them say, geez, Glenn, what was he like? He was just so good, so technically gifted. And I always remember, he'd be facing that way, he'd be facing out the right wing, and you'd be out the left wing, you think, I'm not going to run here, he doesn't see me. And he'd pew, cut the ball back with his right peg, right in front of him. How did, how did he know that? How did he see me? How did it get here? And he, I, I learned not to second guess him. I learned always to go for it because he could find you no matter where you do were. The, do the thing you thought was the right thing because whether you thought he was looking or not, yeah. if, if it was the right thing, he'd put it there he for could you. Find you. He could find you anywhere, short, long, right peg, left peg, inside the foot, outside the foot. He was a fantastic player. What kind of man was he? I, I got on very well with him. I thought he was very nice, very kind of polite, family guy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mickey Hazard always drew my eye. I don't Different know. kind of player, but I mean, full of character and noisy. Yeah. Loves a sing song, uh, which I admire always. But also a dribbler, somebody who seemed to want the fun of maybe, I'll do you and I'll do you again and then I'll, then yeah. I'll offload the ball. I mean, Mick, Mick, technically, Mick was as good as anybody. Yeah. He was fantastic. He, the very first time I went to Tottenham, I stayed in digs, the same digs as him. He was it. Uh, and I, I was very close with Mick because... Uh, Kind of, it was kind of similar. He was always like on the edge of the first team. Very difficult when you got Glenn Hoddle in the team. It was tough for Mick because he was a very similar type of player. Any other team he went to, Mick would have been the star. But uh, he was just unfortunate he was there when Glenn Hoddle was there. But Mick, he was fantastic. In the change room before the game, I always remember he used to keep you up with a five pence piece or a ten pence piece, catch it on his neck, and he was always ready first. He was he was kind of hyper. Uh, he was like a school kid. And uh, Ian Crook was another one, but again, limited chance to get in the first team because of Glenn Hoddle. But Glenn was, Glenn was, he was definitely special. Even and amongst Aussie dealers and they type of guys, he stood out. When I was with Mickey Hazard not a couple of months ago in Barcelona when Spurs came over um, to play in a group game, and what was patent was that he's in love with the club, literally head over heels in love mm. with the club. Is that something you can understand and explain from your overall experience there? I think I'd be the same as Mick. When, when, I, when I first went to Tottenham, in my head, that was me. I was going to be there from 16 to 36. I, there was no reason why I would leave. Uh, in my head, a couple of years getting used to it, playing, kind of becoming a regular, becoming one of the guys that played 500 games or whatever. That, that's the way I planned it in my head. And I think Mick was the same. And any time I've been to a few five-a-side games, I've been to watch Tottenham, Mick's always there. You, know, you guarantee Mick's going to be there. It's in his blood. I, 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 I love think, that. I think I'd be the same. I think if I was still living in London, I would be exactly the same. Just, so take us to, you know, when you establish yourself, that 84 UEFA Cup run um, is dramatic, it's special. And albeit that, you, you know, you, you come on as a sub and as a tale to tell about that too. What 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 do you remember of that that European run? Because one, um, the idea of so young winning a European trophy is is must have been a sensational feeling. And two, whenever Steve Archibald talks to me about the old White Hart Lane and the shed, mm. which is I don't know if people listening apart from Spurs fans even know what the shed is, mm. but he loved the atmosphere. He loved the way in which the fans were hungry, not only for a certain brand of football but for European glory mm-hmm. so that year 83-84 must have felt exceptional bring me some feel for that triumph yeah, I, always, I always remember that we always had a full house there was like 44,000 people at all these European games and I always remember I got picked to play in the Bayern Munich game the first leg was away I actually played at the Olympic Stadium 1-0 to them eh yep yeah. Karl Heinz Rummenigger and it, I mean, it was like minus 10 degrees and at the time, and, uh, I think I was what, only 18 at the time. But I always remember, the one thing I remember about that was the bonus. 
However, that month of my wages, is was like the usual, usual, and boom, I had this big bonus. I went out and bought myself a car. So that was the start of the Europe. The Europe start of the European run was I bought myself a car on the strength of one game. And I thought, this will do for me. Can you remember what car it was? It was an XR3, a red XR3. Did it just feel and like... I was only 17, and it was a... It was a I had a few bonuses, but this was like massive. This was in the thousands. I thought, right, I'm not going to invest this one. I'm going to blow it. So I bought a car, but I was always, because of when you allowed five subs in, for some reason I was just lucky. The European games came at a time when I was fit, I was playing well, I got picked, and I was getting on. Uh, before the final, about six weeks before it, I got injured, and I remember leading up to the final. I don't know why. But I, I kind of got the feeling that they were trying to get me fit for the final. The, it was coming towards the end of the season. But the physio was, he was on at me. And my, the physio was like, come, come, we need to get you fit. And you need to get fit. So I kind of knew that they were trying to get me fit for the final. Uh, I, maybe that was just in my head. So I kind of knew that I was going to be involved at some point. I don't know why. I just had this feeling. And I, I worked really hard to get fit. I was so hyped up about that final. And as I probably what you're going to say next when I came on within five minutes I tore the ligament in my knee just I fell over a, a divot and bent my knee back and all that adrenaline just kind of overcame me and it was a wee bit disappointing but uh, it, was a, it was a great night and, and those European nights were packed to the kind of rafters well, you've underplayed it Ali because I, 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 I know you're, you're a born storyteller and, I, and I, you've been too humble because you know of course we're trying to get you fit because on Wednesday the 7th of December, having lost 1-0 in Bavaria, um, Ray Clements, Danny Thomas, Gary Stevens, Graham Roberts, Chris Hewton, Stevie Perryman, and the names just roll off the tongue. Hoddle, Ali Dick, Mark Farco, uh, Richard Cook, Stevie Archibald, and there was a couple of subs, O'Reilly and Brooke came on. And you beat Bayern Munich mm. 2-0. You know, you're talking about Faf, the Belgian goalkeeper, Flugler, Augenthaler, Soren Lerby, one of the best Danes yeah. ever. I mean, again, the names just go on and on and on. Uh, Dremler, both Rubenegger brothers, Dieter mm-hmm. Hoeneß, Udo Latik was the coach. You beat an extraordinary Bayern Munich side 2-0 and, and that must have been a wonderful you know, night, wonderful feeling. And you played for over an hour and I no wonder they wanted you fit for the final. Mm-hmm. You say it like that. Is it, see, at the time, it doesn't feel like that. At the time, it's just another game. It's, you, have, you have to actually sit back and think, Jesus, Caroline's Rubenegger. I remember chasing a ball back and it was Caroline's room and I was chasing the ball with. I thought, that's, I'd seen him in the World Cup not that long ago. It's just kind of weird. And you kind of have to pinch yourself. And it's like Ozzy, he was very identified. As much as football mm. wasn't on the TV then, very identical. F- very face. much so. Blonde, yeah. flash of hair, aggressive, quick. You know, a world class footballer, but a brutal competitor, captain, leader. Uh, the Germans were, I always remember, they were big, they were strong, they were tough. And you think, oh, you're never, never going to beat this team. But, you know, we, we, had a, we had a fantastic team. So the one thing at Tottenham, we had such a good team spirit. As I say, that kind of, when I arrived there... The, the family thing you're Yeah, everybody was friendly. Everybody got on with each other. And throughout that cup run, that, that was still going on. Every, it was always a nice vibe. And any club that I've ever been to that's been successful, they've, they've had that similar vibe. It's when you, when you get that kind of in-house bickering... Now that's when clubs kind of stop playing well. 
I, I suppose you fitted in a tradition because there'd been John White way before your time, but mm -hmm. Kilzine as well, you know, okay, only 10 years before you. Stevie was already there. There was a, I think they liked the, the, the flair Scottish players at, at White Hart Lane. Yeah, and, and they definitely allowed you to play. They, they never kind of stifled you too much with defensive duties and things like that. And the, 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 before a game, even the UEFA Cup final, they basically just says, Al, go on left wing, do your stuff, get down the wing, get it, get it in the box. There's none of this kind of going through the team with tactics. So I went to Ajax. If we played any game, even a second division team, they would talk about the opposition for an hour beforehand. This guy does that, this guy does that. We want you to run here, we want you to tuck back here, we want you to go... Not Tottenham. Tottenham was basically... Really, just go out and entertain. Just go out and be natural. Play. The, the, the Stevie Perman would say, I'll give it to Hod. Hod, you do your thing. I'll keep looking for the ball off Hod. I'll, when you get it, do your stuff. That, it was all adrenaline-based. And Did that help you? Did that make it all more relaxed? I thought that was normal. I thought that's how every team was. Any team I'd ever played for, that's what they, they used to do with me. So it, kinda, it was kind of normal. All skillful guys, all kind of off-the-cuff Never got bogged down with tactics. If there were tactics, there were very few, very precise. So on the bench, looking at see, so Anderlecht is the final, and it's and it's brutally tight, and it'll go to penalties. Mm. Watching it, are you dying to get on? Are you scared to get on? What was the lead up to that game? I kind of in my head, I thought I'm going to come on. They're going to cross it. I'm going to hit it in a volley, score in the last minute with a lovely volley, and. Everybody has that kind of pivotal moment, and I thought I, I kind of was. I had a feeling that this was geared for me. Almost like a vision. Almost, I, I had a, such a good feeling, such a good vibe. And wow. any time you I had those kind of vibes, it always kind of came true. Or you'd have a good game or something, and I, I kind of knew that I was going to do well that night. Unfortunately, I got injured pretty early. But I, the lead up to that, I was so hyped up. I was getting fit. I was strong. I was fast, and I, I was very keen and. I thought, when I get on, I'm, I'm going to really kind of go for it. Top corner. And I kind of knew that I would get on. I thought, I'll definitely get a chance. And uh, I'd played a few games previous, and I was getting kind of used to playing in the first team. Everything was going well. And then... Well, like, when, you, when you talk about the injury, it, re it genuinely was a bad one, wasn't mm. it? I mean, how much, how bad was it? How much pain were you in? Why didn't you come off? Well, there were only two subs. I was the second. Ozzy Ardiles was the first sub that came on. I came on second. So once I got injured, I was kind of waving to the bench and nothing. They said, just stay on, stay out there. Could you? Could, I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't move. I couldn't run because every time I was running, my leg was giving way. It was. It was kind of going back on itself. Kind of, you're tempted to do it, but at the same time, I just, oh, my leg's going to snap off here. The the, the penalty shot was a bit epic, uh, with a couple of misses. Morton Olsen missed as well, mm -hmm. and just when Spurs were out to win it, Danny Thomas missed. And then Ida Johnson's yep. dad, Arner, misses. If it had come round to you to take a penalty, did you think about that on the night? I thought about it before the game. And I thought, oh, you don't want to be the guy that misses a penalty. I was still young. I, was still a, I wasn't brimming with confidence then. I, I don't know if I'd put my hand up for a penalty. As you say, unless it came all the way mm -hmm. around, you'd have to. I thought I'll leave that to the the big big guys at the. But the if it come all the way around and you're on one leg, we never expected penalties. It all kind of happened so quick, and I know that even some of the boys. I, we were standing back when they missed their their last penalty. Some of the guys never realised that we'd won it. 
if you see the video and you can see some of the guys thinking, oh, we just because of the tension, they haven't done the counting. They hadn't done the counting, and <laughs> there's only a few of them who thought, oh, we've won, we've won. A little delayed reaction. Take us into the dressing room. How, how do Spurs celebrate a European trophy, seeing as they're only maybe three matches away from one again now? How, how do Spurs celebrate when they lift the European Exactly trophy? as you would expect to be. There were bottles of champagne getting flung everywhere. There was people coming in, chairman, uh, goodness knows who they were, but people were all coming in. <laughs> the, the dressing room, which was only small, was jam-packed. There was champagne flying everywhere. Everybody was singing and dancing. It was chaos, absolute chaos. Do you remember lifting the trophy? Is I, it all a, is it a buzz or the moment when you get to lift it up out on the pitch, when you get the medal, do they stay with you or is it just a I, I remember after it, walking around the pitch, yeah, can everything, can I calm down? There was, it was packed with 44,000 in Tottenham and the crowd was right up against the, the pitch. They had defence, those were the days they had defence, but the crowd were right on top of you and they were th- flinging scarves on, I was picking up all these scarves and th- that's when you could kind of take it in a little bit more. But it, it doesn't kind of dawn on you the enormity of it until, until later. And it, when I came off, first I, I said to Fizzy, what will I do? And he, even he says, look, Come in tomorrow, don't worry about that now. Come in tomorrow and we'll sort it out. We're partying tonight. Exactly. Was the family there? Uh, my, my mum and dad was there. Uh, my mate uh, came down from Scotland. I ended up going out with him that night, uh, limping around. And when I came in the next day, they checked it straight to hospital uh, up in London. And that night I had an operation. <laughs> and then from that, I was six weeks in plaster. So you came from such a high... And plaster. There goes your summer. And you, you think you're, you're young, you think, oh man, it looks terrible. It wasn't the, the worst injury of, of all, but at the time, it, you think, Jesus, as you say, that's my, that's my summer holiday's gone. What do, what do you, I mean, for as much as you're able to see them, what do you think of the modern Spurs? Is it a surprise to you that they're in this semi final? A little bit. If you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have thought so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a good team, and Tottenham. They've always said that oh, they can win any cup, and even when I was there, we, we kind of we always thought we'd win the cup, FA Cups, UEFA Cup. We 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 plan to win it, but we came to the league. You kind of back of your mind, you kind of accept that you maybe not win it or second, but you'll you'll be close. There thereabouts would be good yeah, enough. Yeah, and that, that was the kind of vibe. I'm sure now they'll be thinking they can win it. Who stands out for you? Do you, do you, who do you like watching Spurs? I like watching right Ericsson. Uh huh. Why? Ah, he's just these type of guys. Oh, something can happen any time. He every time he gets the ball, he'll look up. He's looking for passes. He's looking for a shot. Uh, it's, it's only when he's got nothing on that he'll give give the ball sideways. So I, I like players like that. As you say, guys that you pay money to go watch. I like synchronicity. I'm not sure if you feel quite the same as me, but it's odd that we've got a friend in common, and that friend in common. He's looking after Victor Wanyama. He's he's yeah. his representative in the in the heart of that. But and Victor's actually the type of player where you're saying, well, that, that's not who I'd pay yeah. to watch. But my personal opinion is that his reappearance from a an awful season with a knee problem mm-hmm. gives Spurs middle, particularly that in they're going to be missing Kane and Son in the first mm-hmm. leg at home against Ajax. I I really think Victor gives. Uh, an organisation, a brain, a distribution, he's a, he's a, a tough guy. He's very tough. He doesn't look at. He's he's quietly enforcing things in the middle. I, I went to a few games with Rob 
up at Celtic. In fact, I got Victor's tickets in, in the, the players' box a few times. And uh, he's, he's like quite assassin. He'll go about under the radar, gets these great tackles in, tracks back. Nothing too fancy, nothing too elaborate. But he's uh, you need those guys. Not the guy I would go watch. They're the guys you want to get the ball, play it to the likes of Ericsson. That. But he does. I think he does the right simple thing more often than not, mm-hmm. which is a, what a guy we're about to go on and talk about said was the essence of the game. Exactly. exactly. Even you if need... it's a simple thing, do it right every time, yep. and then the beautiful stuff will flow from that. Yeah, which Ajax, that was very much the philosophy. It was not, nothing fancy, everything. Keep it basic, keep it simple, do your number one job. Once you do that, and once you're confident you're going to do it, then you do the, the fancy bit. Then you go past your player. Then you take a chance. But up until then, everybody has got their job to do. You've still got a wee turn of pace because you just about got away from your marker there, but I don't give up that easily. So before mm. we before you nip off into the Ajax distance, Aye. I can't stop without being unfair to you. So you've got the power to flick a switch and the semi-final will go the way that you decide. It's in your hands. Oh, definitely Tottenham. <laughs> every, every day of the week. A few people have asked me that and I think, oh, Tottenham, I, 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 it's like, uh, I was there when I was a kid. It, it was my first club. It was my debut. It was where everything kind of, it was a great time in my, my life. Left school, joined a professional club and I was there for five years. It's, it's a long time, day in, day out. I've been back over the years, kind of keep in touch with everybody's kind of left now, but you keep in touch and uh, it's like it's like your first love. It's always the one that sticks in the mind. This question came in for our lovely sponsors at Bet365. If you could pluck one player from your Spurs side and drop him into the team to play Ajax in the Champions League this week and next week, who the hell would it be? Glenn, a lot of people say, oh, he was, he was never the fittest, he was never the, the quickest, but Technically, he could always give you, he could always change a game like that. So your guy's Glenn? Yeah. Your guy that you oh, lift from every, that team and you put in this every team? Every day of the week. Is Glenn? Every day of the week. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member. And get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, Socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you. <laughs>